You're listening to an irreverent podcast. Visit Irreverent FM for more content from my friends. Hello, hello, and welcome to Bad Words, an evangelical podcast where we give toxic theology the read that it deserves by taking another look at some of the books that have been given major influence in evangelical Christianity. This season, we are reading Wild at Heart by John Eldridge and Captivating by John and Stacey Eldridge, losing the plot on manhood and womanhood one chapter at a time. I am your host, Janice Legata, and I'll be ripping up this week's chapter with a good member of the Bad Book Club. Co-host, introduce yourself, please. My name is Natalia Turfa. I am a, a, a friend of the pod, a friend of Janice, uh, first digitally, then in real life. I'm a pastor in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Don't hold that against me. I am a, I'm a mostly skeptical pastor. I'm, I'm maybe like a bad pastor. I feel like I'm a pretty bad pastor as they're defined, but I, I also co-host, besides having a congregation that I pastor, I also co-host a podcast that Janice has been a guest on a few times called Cafeteria Christian. We are a podcast for people who are, you know, Jesus curious, but like really not into the people who wear the jersey. And so we're just skeptical of the fandom. And I feel like that remains to be true of our, of our aesthetic as a, as a podcast community. I, I am born and raised in Minnesota. I have traveled and lived in other places, but just keep coming back here. I am married to a, a wonderful human named Sam. His, he is a technologically advanced human being, so that's what he does. He works with technology. Very smart guy. We have one uh, lovely teenager named Layla. She's 12, almost 13. She is exceptional and dramatic and all the things at once. She's great. She's such a fun kid. I forgot to say my pronouns are she, her. Like I said, I grew up in Minnesota. I grew up Catholic. Uh, Left that behind in college. Dabbled in a lot of places. Stuck my toes into the evangelical world, but did not stay there. Which feels like a wise decision, though. Though I feel like it is really, it is just by chance. Uh, or maybe the Holy Spirit. But I just feel like I, I somehow got out of it before I got really into it, if that makes sense. And I'm thankful for that. And I think part of that was my own seeking about constantly trying to find a church community or a f- denomination, maybe you could say, that felt like the God I was reading about. And that just seemed like there were not that many. (laughs) So that was my struggle. I landed in the Lutheran Church. That is the denomination in which I am a pastor. I landed in the Lutheran Church because it's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but it felt like the theology of the Lutheran Church best matched the kind of God I was reading about and want to believe in. I don't know if I always believe in God, but on the days I do, it is uh, God is more Lutheran than anything, uh, <laughs> which I I think that's kind of how I landed here. Excellent. So we'll get started with the reading of the opening paragraph. We'll have a discussion and then hear the closing paragraph and send you on your way. For additional context and conversation and the option to listen to these episodes with no ads, I invite you to join the people of Jod by becoming a Jodly or Jod-willing patron on Patreon. But either way, I'm happy you're here and I hope you're ready, because without further ado, let's get into... Wild at Heart, Chapter 10. 
Once upon a time, as the story goes, there was a beautiful maiden, an absolute enchantress. She might be the daughter of a king or a common servant girl, but we know she is a princess at heart. She is young with a youth that seems eternal. Her flowing hair, her deep eyes, her luscious lips, her sculpted figure, she makes the rose blush for shame. The sun is pale compared to her light. Her heart is golden, her love as true as an arrow. But this lovely maiden is unattainable, the prisoner of an evil power who holds her captive in a dark tower. Only a champion may win her, only the most valiant, daring, and brave warrior has a chance of setting her free. Against all hope he comes, with cunning and raw courage he lays siege to the tower and the sinister one who holds her. Much blood is shed on both sides, three times the knight is thrown back, but three times he rises again. Eventually the sorcerer is defeated, the dragon falls, the giant is slain, the maiden is his, through his valor he has won her heart. On horseback they ride off to his cottage by a stream in the woods for a rendezvous that gives passion and romance new meaning. So you escaped evangelicalism, but not completely because this book is very, very evangelical. It is. So let me just tell you, I dated somebody, the person I dated before I dated my husband gave me this book as a way for me to understand him better. And uh, <laughs> even even looking at the cover when you sent it to me gave me like physical bodily response of like, oh God. I mean, I just was like, I don't know I can do it. And I, I put off... You sent me this chapter. We talked about what chapter I was going to do a long time ago. You sent me this chapter a long time ago, and I did not open it up until this week. I was like, no, I cannot do it. I can't. I would see it sitting in my inbox. I'd be like, maybe I have time. No, you don't, Natalia. You don't have time for this. It will be too much. There will be too much unpacking. You will have to like really talk to your therapist afterwards. Like You're just going to need to carve out some time. So, yes, I was... I did not read Captivating, which is interesting, I think, but I did read this one and it was truly so that I would understand the guy I was dating, which is now as I say that, I like throw up in my mouth a little. Even saying it is just like, oh gosh, Whew, I'm going to need a lot of breathing. I'm going to need some fizzy water. Oh my gosh. So I knew, I knew you had read the book before, but I didn't know that it was given to you given to you by, you know, the former boyfriend to understand him. So at that point, I'm like, oh, I would like to record the first ill barf of this episode. Just oh. off of that thought of, here's this book, so you may understand me. Obviously it worked so well since we, we did not stay together and I married somebody else. It was so successful. I think, I think it was extremely successful. This book, if this book is handed to you, by someone so you can understand them better please understand that is a red flag <laughs> just, <laughs> just just wildly flapping in the wind <laughs> like wow so this Ooh. book was part of a very correct conclusion in that relationship <laughs> oh man yeah 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 so uh yes yeah, so we should have a we should have an eel counter uh or barf counter for this episode i feel like you should just have a little sound effect ding in at any point just that was the first one it's there's gonna be plenty it is the most common word i use in my notes uh is ew also barf also no so here we just no no versions of no all in there so maybe that that'll be That'll be a drinking game. Probably not drinking right now, but as you are listening to this episode, if you oh my gosh, 
a barf or a no, <laughs> take a drink. What a delightful drinking game. Please, I can't wait to hear the results of this. Be careful. <laughs> drink responsibly, you guys. This could be bad for you. <laughs> small, small sips. <laughs> small sips. This is not a shot. This is just a drink. Take a sip, man. Just a if sip. you take shots, you're going to be in trouble later. <laughs> you're going to be in trouble very soon. Very soon. <laughs> so what, what chapter did you have and what was it about? Okay. Well, first, first of all, I have chapter 10. It's called A Beauty to Love. This is the chapter that I feel like was the reason this guy gave me this book, which is, which is very ill, (laughs) but it is the one that like we talked about. And so I, like, I remember having a conversation about this chapter with that guy and like, I, I mean, I really feel like the, the feminist in me that was, that was being just destroyed by evangelicalism was like screaming, like, from somewhere deep inside and so I just feel like this chapter has a has a visceral response when I even saw the title of it I was like oh Janice that's the one that's the one I just was like oh man I mean the whole book but that chapter title I was like no 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 this is I know what chapter I need to do um because we were talking about it a while ago and you were like I'll send you the table of contents and then I was like oh I can tell it was, it was like, yeah, I just saw it and my whole, like my world went blank for a second. (laughs) Oh, oh, I blacked out. Okay. Okay. We can do this. So yeah. So please note everyone. This is what friendship with me is like. I will (laughs) traumatize you You for entertainment purposes. I just want to start by saying in the introduction, my first his first sentence well second sentence says we need something else we need permission and i wrote next to it oh god am i ready for this <laughs> i was like the first sentence was like oh no it was just my my thought process even reading the intro was like oh gosh i don't know if i can open this up but i do i have a one puke and one oh no in this intro as well cuz he says uh, men need a deeper understanding of why they long for adventures and battles and a beauty and why God made them just like that. And they need a deeper understanding of why women long to be fought for, to be swept up in adventure, and be the beauty, for that is how God made them. And that's why I wrote puke. Oh, no. And I also wrote strong gender role stereotypes start by Johnny Boy, and that has become my nickname for John. He signs it a big John, but I was like, no, 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 that's, no, we need to be Johnny Boy. So he is forever, and the rest of this chapter Johnny Boy. So Johnny Boy has some stereotypes that he is just playing right into here, and he starts off strong. Yep. Also, I want to say on page two, still in the introduction, he talks about this is not a seven steps to being a better man, but a safari of the heart. And I was like, gosh, we are using that forever. We are going to reclaim that for good, and we are going to use it from now on. I don't know how. But I'm going to figure out what a safari of the heart is, and we are going to do it, and it is not going to be this. <laughs> but I want to reclaim it. I don't hate the language. I hate the use. But I'm like, safari of the heart. Okay, okay, I got some work to do. We're going to yeah. we're gonna find out. Ugh. So, <clears throat> we're in yes. chapter 10, A Beauty to Love. He has three quotes. Johnny Boy quotes three people to start. Dostoevsky, George Thorogood, and The Chicks, which the I was chicks. like... How dare you? That's what I wrote next to that quote. I was like, no, you do not get to quote feminist icons 
the chicks. Hard pass. Do not. They killed Earl. This is this is not the right fit for what you're trying to say here. These women are not. <laughs> anyway, what's their Janice? What's their quote from the chicks? What is it? Cowboy, take me away, closer to heaven and closer to you. <laughs> and first of all, yeah, the chicks. It's very interesting. Like I said, they killed Earl. So these, these are not, they are not for this book. But of course, you're probably just Googling. I don't know what you, I don't know what you put into Google. You probably lyrics with cowboy. Because you wanted, that's why this is here. Because of that cowboy bit. Oh, it's so gross. Also, and like the chicks. When, so you've updated this book, because this is not... Yes! I, oh my gosh, it doesn't even say the Dixie Chicks, it says the Chicks. I was it like, says, so this is an addition, you kept it in here. This right. is maybe written, maybe this is written before they killed Earl, but it is certainly edited after they did. <laughs> so you're like, certainly oh. edited long, long after they did. Like, because this is, <clears throat> this is post, or during, in COVID, this is... BLM, this is 2020 at the earliest. Like, so you have, you've changed things in this book? Because now I'm looking, I'm like, there are too many, too many references in previous chapters to praising General Lee from, you know, the Confederate Army, saying Indians several times. We don't like, there's language we don't use anymore. There are things we don't say. So you've updated this book and you left that stuff, but you said, oh, we got to make sure. <laughs> of all the things to update, don't forget to call them the chicks now. The chicks. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So starting off, starting off strong, Johnny boy, starting off strong. <laughs> and yeah, and they are the, the third quote. So they didn't even make it to number one. In the chapter about women, he's like, "No, nah, no, nah, let's calm down. Yes. You can get still quote quotes, two guys but... first. Still quote two guys first for sure, and definitely not about what you think they're about either." Quotes like, right. "Oh my gosh," and, and nothing, nothing from the Bible because the Bible has nothing to say about any of this. Not enough to you know put it up front. So this this whole chapter is so much nonsense and so much false. It's so false. I can't believe a that. I dated somebody who like fully believed this and also that there were people in my life who also like really maybe still oh gosh I hope not still I can't even think about that I will I I will need to I will need to drink even though I'm not drinking right now if I think about I can't I can't think about that but like it just is so sad it made the whole chapter made me angry and sad like spiraling together just like a sad angry tornado over here I don't even know it was just a lot that first chapter, or the first paragraph, when he uh -huh. explains, he reads a fairy tale, or makes up a fairy tale, and it's all about, like, a beautiful maiden, an enchantress. There's another puke. There's another puke for you, team, drinking while I say it. She's a princess. She might be a servant girl, but she's a princess at heart. Oh my gosh, I want to, I just, ugh. Mm -hmm. She's really beautiful, also, keep in mind. Yeah. Luscious lips, sculpted figure, barf. Oh my gosh. <clears throat> so she's very, very pretty and unattainable. These are the two main things we know about her. But she is prisoner in a tower. She needs to be rescued. And then somebody, a brave warrior comes and sets her free. 
And then he wins her heart because he rescued her. That's the whole story. I don't want to read this whole thing because I do not want to give Johnny Boy credit for writing it. But <laughs> my first two thoughts on this page were, can Johnny Boy explain to us why stories of princesses rescuing themselves are more popular than the ones where they just wait for a prince? This is mm-hmm. patently untrue. Like, take any recent Disney movie that has a princess who does does all the stuff herself. Moana. Like, these are all, they're doing their own hero journey they don't need no man to come and rescue them in any of this i that was one of the things my when frozen came out forever ago which it feels like yesterday but it wasn't it was a long time ago my little my tween was a little girl and she was like i don't Anna doesn't need anybody and i was like that's right she doesn't like yes <clears throat> she doesn't need no man <laughs> that's amazing so <clears throat> he starts off strong and wrong right there because His sentence at the bottom of page four of this chapter says, every little girl knows the fable without being told. And I was like, this is just false. It's just false. It's just false. Every princess story has been told to them. They don't just magically, they're not born. We're not born with princess stories in us. Those are written in kids books and shows and all the things. It's everywhere. It is everywhere around us. But, like, it's not somehow innate to who we are. Oh, I hate it. I was like, what? This is false. This is just false. It is written in our hearts. Next to that, I wrote, no. We are on the same page and on the same page because I, too, have brackets and big <laughs> what? No. Around it. <laughs> because he said, why, why is this story so deep in our psyche? Because it has been told to us a million times. Oh, my gosh. We intentionally, now you can call us monster parents, but we intentionally did not do the Disney princess stuff. We didn't, we didn't go in, we didn't wear princess, we didn't do any of that. We didn't call her daddy's little princess, none of that. We didn't do any of that stuff here. We were really into other stories because we, and I feel like we can see it in this child who is opinionated and aggressive and hilarious and quick on the draw and like just so funny and I just I feel like part of that is she's not there's no meek simpering uh mm-hmm. waiting to be rescued by this by my my kid and I think that part of that is because we didn't just soak her <laughs> in princess stuff like no no we right. intentionally told family members like no princess shirts no princess None of that. We don't want, we don't pink. We don't want princess. We don't want any of that. It was like, no. But we were intentional, but you know how hard that is? <laughs> this is what, That's like, very hard. <clears throat> he's wrong because it, it is everywhere. Ugh. It is. Little princess. Lil, with an L-I-L. Lil princess, you know? <laughs> Lil. Lil princess onesies all over the place. Ew. 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 <laughs> um. There's another one. <laughs> Drink responsibly, <It> folks. Right. <laughs> And so he, I mean, in this whole, this whole book, both, both of the books are littered with fictional stories and just fictional examples and using these things to say, well, look, all the stories say this because this is how it is. Instead of saying, no, all the stories say this because this is how it is. Like (laughs) these stories are being written from the perspectives of misogynist, patriarchal people. Because (laughs) if this book were to be written 10 years from now, 20 years from now, with all the new, this new generation of Disney princesses, I think he would have a different conclusion. 
like Oof. he wouldn't be able to use he would have to harken back to no no these are the correct he, stories he uses romeo and juliet you're like they both die you are using the wrong example what are you doing this is not oh my gosh i was just like no no you're wrong you're wrong <laughs> And that is the first paragraph, first page of this chapter. Then he starts telling personal stories about him and his wife, Stacy. I met Stacy in high school. He tells a story. He talks about their first kiss. And I, my note next to it says, I didn't need any of this. <laughs> I was like, nope. I didn't need to know that you'd never tasted a kiss like that. No, no thank you. <sighs> anyway. <laughs> and that's just the warm up cause that's just the warm up it gets worse uh, so I don't have any more notes on that page cause I could not I could not handle it cause I was like you are wrong all of this is wrong and it's what wrong. I will say he's telling so in this chapter he's telling like this great story of how they first began about whatever but then I think it's like chapter Four, four or five, I can't remember. Those are the two chapters where I was like, oh, oh, this book hates women. <laughs> but he tells the story of like them getting married and like, you know, waking up the next day, so day one, and like a cold sweat and regret and being like, I don't know, I don't know what to do with this woman for the, for the rest of my life. Like, I'm like, this is day one, man, and you're, <laughs> I don't know. So you're telling this great story here, but. I already know kind of not how it ends because they're still together and whatever, but like he tells that, then she tells the story. They both tell the story of how 10 years in, she tells him she's been having dizzy spells the whole time, but he's like, I never knew this woman. And it's like, are you guys okay? Like there are just different little things in this book. I'm like, what is going on? This does not seem great, but... <laughs> But he'd never tasted a first kiss like that, Janice. Gross. <laughs> oh. Ew. So this last, the last little paragraph of this first section, I think explains where he's coming from theologically. It's wrong, but I feel like it does explain where he's coming from because he says, Eve is the crown of creation. She embodies the exquisite mystery, depth, brilliance, and beauty of God in a way that nothing else in all creation ever comes close to. So she is a special target of the evil one. He turns his most malicious, vicious malice against her. If he can destroy her or keep her captive, he can ruin the story. I just wrote gross next to that. <laughs> yeah. So gross, gross is a free-for-all if you want to take a drink. Yeah, it's up to you, I guess, I guess. <laughs> it's a wild card, gross. And so he uses that, like, Eve... Eve's the crown, sort of like, here's her, like, here's Eve, we're all children of Eve, right? So here's her, and he goes into it in the next chapter, he calls it her, Eve's wound. Her wound. Oh my gosh, I have so many. Now, this is not the chapter I have the most notes on. Uh, Offering our strength is the section I have the most notes on, just so you know, you, I mean, that's so many notes are on that one. But, he, in this, in this next part, he says, I I'm saying every woman wants to be loved, romance, and part of a shared adventure. And I wrote next to that, this is not unique to women. He's taking 
a human need for connection, which is legit. That is a legitimate mm-hmm. human need. Uh, and making it like, oh, women just want to be loved. And you're like, no, everybody wants to be loved. This is a human right. need that we have. And like, he's making it like every, every woman's wound is that she's not loved enough. And you're like, ugh, gross. Yep. There's another free for all. I'm sorry. <laughs> and then he talks, he, he makes it all this very Freud, isn't it? Ugh. It's all about her dad. And this is where, because I don't have the greatest relationship with my father, uh, this is where the guy I was dating was like, look, see, you have a wound. Oh. It was like, I know, I know. Look at your face. Oh <laughs> so trying to explain why I was the way I was based on uh, Johnny Boy's non, non, non-expert opinion <clears throat> was just red flag number two. I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe more than that at this point. But like, just another. It's like, oh, this flag has this red flag has a decoration, and that decoration is another red flag. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, isn't that cute? The red flag has its own red flag. <clears throat> so, this idea that a little girl looks to her father to know if she's lovely is so gross. And I feel like this is the message of this chapter. Was like. Mm-hmm watch a little girl, she'll always turn to her dad and say, am I pretty? And I'm like, oh, I just, it's so awful. And if this is what you're teaching and this is what you believe, this this is why so many women are so effed up. Wait, we need so much therapy later is because somehow we've been told like, we are worth nothing unless a guy thinks we're pretty, right? Like we aren't worth right. anything unless we've captured the male gaze. It's so gross and so patriarchal. And so awful. I hated everything about this section. <laughs> and he talks about uh, women who've been abused and have, have had sexual abuse in their past and like significant trauma and how her message is, you're bad. Like that's the message she takes, which is probably true. But I was like, no, the message should be the man who did this is shameful and dirty. Like it should be not her fault. Like this, there was right. so much, there was such a lack of victim centered language in here it was very much like shamey victim blamey which i i just i had my own notes on this just say this is so awful do better johnny (laughs) do better johnny boy uh and that the whole thing is you are not you will not be like you are not good enough is the whole message she's receiving and so no one will fight for you and next to that i wrote this is why we need feminism omg (laughs) i was like no we don't need somebody to fight for us. We can fucking fight for ourselves. We can Shut fight up, buddy. For ourselves. I was like, oh my gosh. I don't need somebody to fight for me. Ugh. And it's Ugh. it's so awful because like you said, it lumps. So I mean it basically says all women, all women have this wound. And they got it from somewhere. And maybe Probably Dad though. Dad. They got it from probably, Dad. Probably probably Dad. And it's the same wound, whether Dad was just neglectful or straight up molesting you and then teaching your brothers how to do it. It's all the same. And dad's not responsible because this is an attack of the evil one. He's the one yeah. causing this mischief. So this is just stuff that happened to you. And it may have been men who did it, but it's not, it's not men. No, it's <laughs> not the men that are doing it. It's, it's the evil one it's coming evil to attack one. you. And you need somebody to rescue. You know, they need, we need to pray for you is what needs to happen. But we'll get there. We'll get to... We'll, we'll get there. But you need someone to rescue you from men and the only... From the evil one. 
who is using men to do these things to you, and then the only one who can rescue you is a man. Is a man. God, so <laughs> awful. This is the worst. So <clears throat> he, on the next page, the paragraph, he says, like so many unloved young women, Stacy turned to boys to hear what she never heard from her father. Okay, this my note here just says, this is what happens when we teach girls their only value and worth is found outside of themselves, right? Like, right. one of the things I love about Gen Z and even like younger, my, my daughter's generation, I don't know what she's called yet, maybe she's, no, she's not, she's some younger generation, what they're calling her, but whatever she is, we're, I think the lesson of like, like your worth, you get to decide for yourself. Like you get to determine, nobody gets to tell you who you are, but you, that kind of stuff, that message that my, my generation is teaching their children, like working really hard to be strong and independent and like not, not seeking outside of themselves. I'm so interested to see how that changes the world and politics and the church and all these things, because so much abuse can be perpetrated on somebody when they're like, just looking for love, right? Like, I just need to find love. I just need to seek out what I'm not getting from somewhere else. And he's sort of giving permission for that here. And he's like, you just need a good man to do it for you. She just needs a, a lover and a warrior, not a nice guy. Is the next line I underlined. <laughs> yep, uh, did you too? Oh, I love you. I wrote hard disagree. Nice guys are the best. Nice is not a character flaw. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, I married the nicest guy. Oh, uh, he is the best. The, the reason we're still together is because he's a nice guy. What? Who is not going to marry somebody nice? What kind of person? Are we looking for mean people? I just was like, nice is good. Marry nice people. Be with nice people. Nice is good. Oh, do I have some feelings? <laughs> yes. Because he said, you know, she needs a lover and a warrior, not a really nice guy. Because a really nice guy can't be a lover or a warrior. Like... All nice of these things. Yeah, nice guys won't exclusive. fight. Yeah, nice guys won't fight. No, no, they sure won't. Uh, it's, ugh, it's just, ugh. The whole next paragraph, I just have, uh, this is so awful, written next to you. He said, so he's talking about how his marriage is falling apart because he hasn't been, like, I don't know, fighting for her, uh, what, telling her she's pretty. I don't understand what's happening here, but... <laughs> Okay, uh, he said, I married a woman who would never challenge me as a man. Oh, barf. Stacy adored me. What more did I need to do? I wanted to look like the knight, but I didn't want to bleed like one. This whole thing is so awful. I was deeply mistaken about the whole arrangement. I didn't know about the tower or the dragon or what my strength was for. The number one problem between men and their women. Oh, do I have a... Oh. Is that when we men... Truly asked to fight for her, we hesitate. We are still seeking to save ourselves. We have forgotten the deep pleasure of spilling our life for another. Oh. Okay, so drinkers, this is where you're going to have to be really careful to not overindulge because I have ewes all over the place, a big barf next to the word, their women. Just the biggest word, barf. Uh, and Janice got that in a text this week too. So lucky. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. Women are not property, so that's cool. That's a, maybe a place to start this one. Men and their are, women. Are you sure women aren't property? Oh, yes. Spilling our life for another. That language. He uses that language more than once in this chapter, and I... Oh, oh. 
the spilling. Oh, it's coming. Oh my gosh. I'm just like, oh gosh, I feel, it feels so gross. And, and I'm like caving in on myself right now. It's, this is an audio medium and you all can't see it, but I'm literally like, I'm collapsing. I'm, it's, it is ick. It, and this is like this book, mostly like they just bum me out. Cause again, I'm like, are you guys okay? Cause what would it be like to be Stacy and read this? <laughs> and be like, yeah, I just finished talking about this amazing first kiss that came years and years after we had been friends and you'd been doing whatever. And I was, you know, and then I woke up in cold sweat and regret and whatever. But the whole time, I only married you because I, I didn't think you would challenge me because you loved me I married you because it's so good to be so loved but I didn't need to do that back for sure even though <clears throat> but whatever then he misquotes Proverbs 30 which I I I already swore once I hope it's okay you have to, I don't know if you have to put an e on this but I fucking love that he misquotes this text so bad <laughs> He's like, the point of this is sarcasm. The proverb is sarcasm. These are actually things you can understand. It's so funny. It's like, he's, have you, did anybody teach you? It's, it's the opposite. It's opposite day in scripture happened when this was written. This is the whole point. The way of an eagle in the sky, the way of a snake on a rock, the way of a ship in the high seas. These are things we can't understand. We do understand them. That's the point of this. This is the whole point. You can watch an eagle fly and see it fly. You have sailed a ship on a sea. You know what that's like. I just like, you misquoted this. This is not, I was like, oh, Johnny boy, this does not mean what you think it means. So he's saying like the may the way of a man with a maiden is like another unknowable thing. And I was like, no, the point of this is that they're knowable. You are wrong. Oh, I wrote, LOL, all of these things are not too amazing to understand, John. You... <laughs> they're not it's like the eagle in the sky also you don't really particularly like that's such an artful thing like what is there to understand other than oh this eagle is flying and if you want to go into the aerodynamics of it i guess fine but like the eagle is doing what it's supposed to do and you noticing it and seeing it is just oh like that's just a gift from god just to be able to see this thing and whatever the way of snake a snake on a, rock. on a rock i'm like what does that even mean you don't you're this is not what you think it means john oh my gosh <laughs> like the snake is just chilling there cool all right it's there doing it's doing what it does and in the way of a ship on a high seas, you better understand it. We made that. We did that. If you are just, if you don't understand a ship on the high seas, don't sell one. Don't. I know. Don't go up. But it's not unknowable. It's not. This is a very knowable thing. It's not it's too amazing. amazing. The way of a man with a maiden. That's not. It's really not that difficult. It's not that difficult. Going into the part that he's talking about immediately next. Oh, you're just talking about sex. That's not that difficult. Like, it's not that difficult. But you know what you're doing right here is giving men permission to like not learn anything about the women they're going to have sex with. And that is, oh, right. does that explain so much about <laughs> this, this generation of dudes and their unhappy sex lives? Like, oh yes. my gosh. And the next section, that whole paragraph... <laughs> I have, okay, drinkers, I'm so sorry. I have one, two, three, four, five. I have five ewes on this one. 
Uh, I also have a barf, and I also have a dead, I'm dead. <laughs> That's a freebie. You can do whatever you want with that. Okay, I'm just going to, can I read it? He quotes the guy who wrote this proverb, Agor, son of Jacob. And just, he says he's on to something. There is, again, it's a misquote, but whatever. There is something mythic in the way a man is with a woman. Our sexuality offers a parable of amazing depth when it comes to being masculine and feminine. Oh, oh gosh. A man comes to offer his strength and the woman invites the man into herself, an act that requires courage and vulnerability and selflessness for both of them. Notice first that if the man... Will not rise to the occasion. Nothing will have. This is so awful. <gasps> he must move. His strength must swell before he can enter her. It's so gross. Uh, we should have given an explicit warning. Not for my F-bombs, but for this paragraph right here. Oh, this is it. <clears throat> neither will love, neither will the love consummate unless the woman opens herself in stunning vulnerability. When both are living as they were meant to live, the man enters his woman. His woman! And offers Ew. her his strength. Ew. 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 He spills himself there in her for her. Ugh. Ugh. Ew. Ugh. I know. I know. I'm going to need a Tums after this. Okay. And then she draws him in, embraces, and envelops him. When all is over, he is spent. But what a sweet death it is. Gross. Also, the woman in this whole paragraph notice is a receiver. That's it. She has no autonomy. I mean, of course, her vulnerability is stunning. But you're like, shut up. It's so gross. The words he uses to describe the sex are so gross. It's, it's so, so gross. gross. And then the next so sentence gross. is, and that is how and life is created. And, and I, created. <laughs> I was like, what? My note next to that just says, What? what no i don't know if you know this but like a lot of other things have to happen i don't mm, did you miss that day of school but how he it's unknowable unknowable it's unknowable unknowable listen you just you just you just are spent and that's how life is created ew and notice he is spent she she just just laid there apparently let it happen i was like i bet that's what you think sex is i'm so sorry it is because he you know he spills himself there in her for her that's that's what she came oh my gosh i know she's just the receptacle it's so gross and and this is when i was like Oh, this is still like really there. Like this is still really prevalent prevalent in a lot of circles. And it's so sad because you just want to be like, this can be so much better. Like it can be so much better than this. Ugh. And just like telling, like acknowledging how vulnerable it is for a woman to do this is not enough. Like it's just not enough. Like she no. should get something out of it besides vulnerability. <laughs> you know? It's like no. and because she doesn't she doesn't even get all of that to herself. Because before that he already said, you know, it requires courage vulnerability and selflessness for both of them yeah not so just her both, yeah <laughs> so he's also you know being extremely vulnerable here Ugh. so he this part oh got a big barf on this one the beauty of a woman arouses a man to play the man the strength of a man offered tenderly to his woman allows her to be beautiful 
like she has no agency or ability to be anything apart from oh my gosh mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so he gives another little fun scenario from their very messed up relationship where you're like again this is a thing I didn't need to hear but thank you for giving me a window into your a very healthy marriage I'm like are you I feel this is where I very much agree with your are you okay <laughs> Because he says, I went upstairs to get a glass of water from the kitchen. Stacy was baking Christmas cookies. The place was a mess, to be honest. To be so honest. was she. <gasps> I wrote WTF next to this. I was like, what? How? I said, all this does is make you an ass. This I wrote next to this. This is not helpful. Like, the thing you notice is that the place is a mess and she's a mess. Rude. Rude. I'm so offended yeah. for her. And I said to her, she was, there was something in her eyes, something soft and tender. I don't know, because she adores him, remember? And I said, you look pretty. And the tension in her shoulders gave way. Something twinkled in her spirit. She sighed and smiled. Thank you, she said, almost shyly. Almost shyly. This the book ne- is, is a work of fiction. I'm like, this, this didn't happen. Like, you're, you're making stories up. Because also, is she 10? Why is she covered in flour? Like, we know how to bake cookies. It's not that hard. Adults. Listen, maybe it's another thing that's too amazing for him to understand. (laughs) Listen, this next sentence. If the man refuses to offer himself, then a wife will remain, his wife will remain empty and barren. I wrote, this is, again, drinkers, I'm so sorry. You have three coming right here, which is, nope, no, no. You are not what gives life to your wife. She is not yours to fill with yourself. Ew. Oh, sorry. There's another one. Uh, as if she's nothing without you. That's the whole premise of this is she is nothing without you. She is nothing without you. That is... Oh, oh my gosh. Because just before that, he talks about life and death are in the power of the tongue. Oh. She is made for and craves words from him. Oh. Like, women are basically just these empty receptacles walking yes. around, waiting to be filled by men in whatever way they, they feel like They feel them. like it, yeah. Yeah. Right. And if she's somehow not okay, it's definitely because you've been withholding yourself from her. It's so gross. It's like, or maybe you're an asshole, and, like, that's why she's struggling right now right the next page where the guy is like uh he was withholding his words his touch and his delight and i was like i don't know maybe just maybe just don't be an asshole and she won't wilt away like i don't know that seems like again nice guy marry a nice guy and you won't just you won't wilt away and then he does this whole thing about mary and joseph which i I preach literally against this every year in Advent just because I know there's Theo bros preaching this exact thing every fucking year and I hate it. That that Joseph, he talks about Joseph and Mary and how Mary is just like the worst and how like why would he believe her? That this this crazy story, that crazy Mary saying she's carrying God's child. Ugh, God. Well, I won't let her be stoned. I'll just divorce her quietly because I'm a nice guy. Like that's what the nice guy would do. Mm -hmm. Uh... And then he, like, no, he steps in and he fights for her. And he does this over his whole life because obviously they're going to give her shit forever. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. You, like, you took agency away from the mother of God. (laughs) Like, 
what are you doing? She is so much, so much more badass than you give her credit for. And she had the agency in the story. Not Joseph. Who cares about Joseph? She said yes to God. She said nobody it's fine he's no, there joseph like he's fine like thank you but also <laughs> also like you didn't you didn't do anything in this story like don't get an award for what mary is doing like mary is doing the hard thing you're just secondary like oh my gosh but no you let's... are an assistant <laughs> you are the helpmate in this in this scenario like no, he story. spends he spends himself for her. Oh, that's another eel for me there. Oof. And just before I was like, I have never, I've never thought of the story from this angle. I've never heard the story from this angle. But oh. that idea of you know the crowds will later use this against Jesus. Isn't this Joseph and Mary's son? They say with a sneer and a nudge and a wink. In other words, we know who you are. <gasps> The bastard child of that slut and her foolish carpenter. I know. It's like you called Mary the mother of God a whore. How dare you? <laughs> also, oh, it's, yeah, it's so awful. And there, I think there is some, like, the Mary and Joseph son thing, I think he's, like, adding this gross patriarchal thing to, it is not, that's not what they're saying here. They're being like, isn't this, like, just a regular towns kid? Like, they're talking about... Like a local boy gone big. They're, you know, he's coming into town as this famous rabbi. And they're like, isn't this Mary and Joseph's kid? Why is he such a big deal? It's not like, (laughs) isn't this this the bastard child of that slut? Of that slut. Gosh. Also, 30 years later, like people, nobody is that invested in Mary and Joseph. They're not that interesting for people to be like remembering (laughs) this story. And I'm like, and if anything... I would assume that the thought would be, oh, no, they were just fooling around before they got, like, she just got pregnant before they were married. And that's the scandal. I don't know that anyone was, like, questioning Jesus' paternity. Like, that foolish carpenter, (laughs) just a nudge and a sneer and a wink. I hate this. I hate everything about this. It's so gross. Yeah. And it's it's still the same language of, like, they are under the shadow of a man's strength. A woman finds rest. Like it's Mary got to do this great thing because Joseph took care of her. And you're like, no, no, Mary, she's not meek and mild. She sang a fighting song. Like, come on. She's badass. She's not. I just, oh, it makes me so mad. So Joseph. We don't even know. We don't even know how long Joseph even lasted. Cause like by the time Jesus is is grown and walking around, we don't hear anything else about Joseph. It's probably because he's he's probably he's probably dead. Yep. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So who's Um, who's spilling themselves and their strength on Mary after at that point? Gross. (laughs) So then he talks about the masculine journey. That takes a man away from a woman so that he might return to her. He goes to find his strength and returns to offer it. I was like, I was like, I don't know. Maybe you could just do your work and she doesn't have to do it for you. I don't know. It just feels like, ew, just do your work before you get in a relationship. And then you won't have to like mess everything up in order to like feel needed or important or necessary. You're not. You should want to be with somebody because they choose you, not because they need you. That's so gross. Uh, anyway, the next section I wrote at the top. Oh, I forgot about the porn shame chapter. (laughs) I forgot. 
about this one. I really forgot. I think I was so traumatized by the earlier wound stuff that I forgot this was here. I was like, oh. So this chapter has it all. I tell you what. It's... Oh my gosh. Um, he says, the sinister nature of porn is that it enjoys a woman at her expense. Pornography is what happens when a man insists on being energized by a woman, uses her to get a feeling that he is a man. I was like, the whole chapter has just encouraged him to do this. It's not just porn. You're telling them to do the same thing with the woman that they're with. It's so gross. Um, the paragon of selfishness is, oh my gosh, offers nothing. Oh, and then, oh my gosh. This, I was like, my whole, I, oh, I have so many, I need to like not, cause this will take, I will go off forever and we don't have, uh, we don't have forever to do this, but this is, this story in this way is so awful. Like, it's just so awful. You're like, there's a story in the Bible and you're like, oh my gosh, this actually, the part that he quotes where he's like. You're beginning to get the idea here. Selfish men, a woman wronged, and the Lord Almighty is mad. I was like, that's actually, this story has nothing to do with Tamar. This story has everything to do with the dudes in it totally doing all the wrong things. Mm -hmm. Tamar is not just like a woman wronged. Like, uh, it's just, she is trying to like fight for her rights and like do, she's like trying to get what she was promised and she's not. It's just so awful, and all the guys are just total assholes, and she's trying to fight for what the right thing is. So this is a story of justice and God speaking up on behalf of those who have been taken advantage of or who have been oppressed, like Tamar. It's so awful that he is using it as a story about porn. I am, like, offended. I'm just like, I... I can't believe... I just wrote... All I wrote on there was, I can't believe he's using this story in this way. This is... Yeah. It's just, it's just offensive. <laughs> it's, it's awful. And it is, yes, this is a story of, of men not, not fulfilling their duty and right. not doing what the law has asked of them. In this case, to, to look after this woman. So she has to take matters into her own hand to get what, what they should be giving her. What they should be giving her. It's, it's not like a, it's just, they make it all like, she's like a. She's like a nasty woman just trying to get some. And you're like, that's not what's happening here. I don't think you understand. Like, ugh, it's so, he's so wrong. I just, I'm like, I can't believe he's using this story for this point. I was like, I didn't think it could get worse than Proverbs 30 misquoting, but I did. He did. He did it. Good job, Johnny boy. You, you succeeded. (laughs) See, you did it. And that whole, that whole, that whole bit about pornography completely erases non-straight porn people who might be women watching porn like it just erases everybody the only people who use pornography are men and they're using it to to feel like a man janice they're using it to feel like a man to be energized they're not talking about like consensual use of porn to like watch together as a couple i mean it's like there's i don't know it just feels like you don't Again, so he does this whole, like, porn is bad in three sentences, which is messed Mm -hmm. up. And then he uses Tamar and Judah from the Bible to explain why porn is bad, which that's not what the story is about. And then it's like, I'm going to give you some real life examples about this, too. And it's like, what are you talking about? All of a sudden, oh, it's so gross. Men, 
This is what happens when men selfishly refuse to spend their strength. Oh, it's as gross as spend themselves. It's the same. It's the it's same. It's the same. It's the same. On behalf of the women, the woman, on behalf of the woman, she doesn't have a name or anything. She's just the woman. Just the women this. endure this abuse all the time. Yeah, this all is just like. Oh, and then he. Most men, you see, marry for safety. John, are you okay? Okay, Johnny boy, why did you get married? (laughs) So, this tells me more about you than you think it does. (laughs) I don't know. Oof. He goes on and tells the story of a young man, a young man whom I admire. What? Why? What? What? Why is that there? But he's wrestling between... That's how we know he's a good guy, because Johnny Boy admires him. Ugh, good, but not gross. nice. He's wrestling between the woman he is dating and one he knew but could not capture years ago. So then, you know, Rachel... Life with Rachel is tumultuous. She's the North Atlantic. And Julie, who he's remembering, you know, you want the Bahamas, but Rachel's the North Atlantic. Which one requires a true man? Julie might also be the North Atlantic. We don't know. You were never with her. So to say, well, this, you have, you're in this bad relationship right now. Things are tumultuous. But, I mean, that's just because you need to fight for her. And, yeah, it's... Julie would have been easier. But <laughs> you want the Bahamas or you want the North Atlantic? What do you think? I want the Bahamas. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? No offense, North Atlantic. I know that's where you are currently. But I'm also like, No. <laughs> I would also choose the Bahamas. Who wants to do all that work? Marriage is not supposed to be this much work. It is it is the Bahamas. I mean, yes. I've been married for a long time. We've been married for 17 years. It's a long-ass time. It hasn't been the Bahamas the whole time. And I would not classify our relationship as the North Atlantic, as like a positive. <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. Gross. Why don't men offer what they have to their women? Their women. Ugh. Oh, that's, we should have done another drinking game with that, but gosh, you guys would be, some of you might be dead by now and I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh no. Oh, this is, this whole section is so awful. I hate it because it's misquoting and misusing scripture so, so much about men, men trying to fill an emptiness that's from Eve and like the only thing that can fill this emptiness is God and you keep trying. It's, It's so gross. It's like she needs God more than she needs you, just as you need more him more than you need her. You're like, ew. So then he just like starts praying for her. I don't know. I think it's so gross. Uh, move towards her. Ugh. Ugh. Uh, the end. I wrote. I wrote. This is just offensive. At the end of this, where he says, "If she's the report card on your strength, you'll ultimately get an F." And I was like, "This is so offensive." Like a. You, I don't care who you are. You should not, the person you're with should not be how you get a passing grade in life. Like that is not, you should not be defined by anybody else. Doesn't matter. Also, get an F. What are you talking about? What, your strength is an F because of, because of your wife's failure? Like what are you talking, it's so gross and offensive and like, you know, you gotta, you gotta pray for her otherwise you're gonna fail. You're like, You're going to fail because you can only fail because Lisa, there, is an, there is an emptiness to Eve after the fall. And no matter how much you pour into her, she will never be filled. So this whole chapter is saying women, women want you as a man 
to fill her. It is your job to fill her, to spend yourself and spill yourself, to do all these things. Because that's for, that's for her, and that's what she needs. But at the same time, it's never going to be enough. It's never going to work. only God can give her what she's looking for. So do your best, but also don't really worry about it. Because it, is it the can't most, be done. It's the, most, it's the weirdest end to this chapter. You're like, so you just told us to do all this stuff. And then you were like, but don't do it, actually. You know what you need to do is pray. Like, it's that's great. what you need to do. Yeah. Um, and then that's between you and God, because... Yeah, so then... She will never be satisfied, never be... So if your wife isn't doing okay or your marriage isn't okay, it's because you haven't been praying hard enough. Um, right. Right. <laughs> or it's your wife's fault because she hasn't been filled with God. <laughs> She's not full enough. Yeah. Gross. And it might be your fault if you're too nice, <clears throat> but that that's... That's the only problem that could be on your end. And then they go on and ruin maybe one of my favorite stories of scripture by making it literally about a thing that it's not about. Again, he does it (laughs) again. The story of Ruth and Naomi is so beautiful. It is a story of two women creating the life they want to have. It is about two women supporting each other and being with each other and being loyal to each other. It is so beautiful. And he's like, actually, it's about sex. (laughs) It's so gross. I was like, no, no, it's not. I wrote next to it. I wrote, I'm raging. How could he ruin this gorgeous story in this way? I was just so mad. That's when I maybe texted you like, I'm so angry. (laughs) Oh, The story of Ruth and Naomi is so beautiful that Naomi's whole life implodes, like truly her whole life. And if you've ever gone through something like this, you know, she tells people around her, don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara. My life sucks. My life is Mm -hmm. bitter. I need a new name. I've been through some shit and you can't, I'm not the same person anymore. And she's like, leave me alone. I can't, I, I'm out, I'm out. I'm going back to where I came from. I can't do this anymore. And her foreign, it's a risk for her to take this foreigner. The foreigner, Ruth, knows it's a risk for her to go home to this foreign land with her mom, mother-in-law. It's not even her, like, quote-unquote, real mom. Right. Uh, goes with, says, I'm going to stay with you. We're going to figure this out together. Like, their relationship is so strong and beautiful, and they stay together, and they commit to staying together. That is so beautiful. And then Ruth, not giving up, not walking away, not telling her mother-in-law that she should stop grieving or get over it, but just, like, being with her, offers Naomi just the tiniest bit of hope that there might be something else. And that little bit of hope changes the course of the rest of their life. And then you know what's more important than her laying down on Boaz's feet on the threshing floor is that Boaz is in the lineage of Jesus. So like there's a foreigner in the lineage of Jesus. That's the point of the story. It has nothing to do with, oh my gosh. I obviously, I didn't hold back. I was... He's so offensive to be like, uh, these people are going to say this isn't about sex, but it is. And then he's also like, but I don't think they had sex that night. Careful, but careful. They they didn't have sex before they got married. Don't, don't do that. Don't be doing that. Oh my gosh. But he was like that, that she, oh my gosh, this, I just wrote OMG. And then I wrote gross times a thousand. (laughs) Oh 
Because he says, uh, the church has crippled women when it tells them their beauty is vain and they are at their feminine best when they are serving others. I sort of maybe agree with that, but not really. Because then he says, a woman is at her best when she is being a woman. Boaz needed a little help getting going and Ruth had some options. Oh, hell no. That is... You've made this story, a book in the Bible, literally called Ruth about Boaz. You just turned this book and made it about the guy. Boaz needed a little help, so Ruth used her feminine wiles to do it. So, so gross. Ruth has some options. Ew. She can badger him or whine at him or emasculate him, but or... She can use all she is as a woman to use, to get him to use all he's got as a man. But not all, because <laughs> there was definitely no sex. I was like, then he says she can arouse, inspire, energize, seduce him. Ask your man what he'd prefer. <laughs> oh, that's got the gross times a thousand arrow on it. That's where that came from. And then I was like, this is not the point of the story. I'm so mad. WTF, Johnny Boy. Like, you've missed the whole point. The story is so beautiful. It has nothing to do with Boaz. It is all about Ruth. Are you kidding me? Can yeah, she yeah. badger, emasculate wine, or can she seduce she... him? Oh! And I guess, I guess, sure. Sure. In 2022, we're going to look at the story and we're going to modernize it. Yeah, I guess those were options available to her to just... Well, I don't know. Walk up to Boaz in the field. Hey, you gonna marry me or not? The whole point of the story is that is that she couldn't do any of those things. They were finding a way to get him to see her, so they could be saved because there was no system in place that would help them. But he right. was maybe in a position to help them. They weren't looking. She wasn't looking for sex. She was looking for survival. This is so. It's so awful. And. Yeah, there's there's no no scenario in this story where she would go up to him and be like, "Can you please marry me? Uh, marry me faster!" Like, oh Hurry gosh, up. what are you doing? So he tells the story because he's highlighting the women who are in Jesus's lineage. Like, ooh, look at these special special women who got mentioned in the Bible. But then he got the fuck you, John, from that. That Bathsheba goes unnamed, tells you of God's disappointment. Oh my, I was like, she doesn't go unnamed. She is named. That's how you know she's Bathsheba. You're just wrong. Like, I don't understand. She is named. Uh, You, she is named. Otherwise it would be like, sexy woman on the roof would be her name. Like, she's named. I don't understand. But he puts that all on her. God is disappointed in Bathsheba. For what? Taking John? a bath? You're like, I know. It's so. So it's... David gets to forever be a man after God's own heart. But Bathsheba gets X'd out of the lineage. She doesn't get named because God is disappointed in her. He's disappointed in her. You awful, awful man. Yeah, I, 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 there's just, I could not be more offended that, that he used my, what I feel like is such a beautiful story in scripture for this. I was like, I forgot, I, I forgot this part was in here and I was like, oh, oh, and then apparently 
Jesus talks to Johnny Boy and asks him, will you fight for her? So this is, uh, this is, this is the tipping point, right? This is the full battle. He says he prayed for her, stepped between her and the forces of darkness that had been coming against her. Stacy got free. The tower of her depression gave way as I began to truly fight for her. I wrote, the arrogance is astounding. Holy shit. I just was like, you cured her depression by praying? Oh my gosh. Like, wow. Can you pray for me for some things? It seems like you're really good at it. No, no, no. Because you are not his woman. I'm not his, thank God. That's up to Sam. Well, <laughs> I'll let him know you said so. <laughs> Only he can pray the prayer that will break whatever over Ugh. you. Ugh, it's so, it's so awful that he like, I just can't believe that he credits himself with like starting the spiritual war that freed his wife and he did it by praying for her. I'm like, mm-hmm. no, you didn't. Good gosh. No, you didn't. That's not how this works. I don't know if you've taken a psych course in college, but like, that's not how it works. Depression does not work that way. Ugh. So he just keeps talking about like fighting, fighting for his wife over and over again. Not just once, Janice, over and over again. Over and over. Yeah. And then he tells the story about this wedding that they go to. Did you love this? I This is when I, this is the story where I believe it is fiction, where I'm like, he just made this up because... <laughs> Listen, it's the best nuptials they'd ever been to. Who says that? A. Who, either one wh- of them. Both. Either of them. one. They talked about it later. Like, was that the best wedding you've ever been to? Yeah. Yeah. Ever. Better than mine. Uh, he's like, you didn't know this, but I was terrified the whole time. Oh, wait, you do know this because I wrote it in this book. I wrote it in a book. I regretted everything the day after. But <laughs> it's all good now. The groom was young and strong and valiant. Oh, yeah. The bride was seductively beautiful. Gross. Ew. So, A, if you've been married 18 years, that means, I mean, you're probably in your upper 30s, 40s. Probably They probably got married pretty young, I'm guessing. So that means this bride and groom are probably young, and he's, like, seductively beautiful. It's so gross. Yeah. It's so creepy. I would be horrified if I read this and I was that bride. Also, I would be horrified if I read this and I was Stacy. Also, I'm horrified reading it and I have no connection to him. It's so gross. Uh, seductively beautiful. Get out. Get out Seductively of beautiful, which is what made it so excruciating for me. Oh, uh, because this story is not about the wedding that they went to, the best wedding ever. It is about him. That's That's what we get. We get that this story isn't actually about the best wedding they've ever been to. It's about it's about him and how he could have loved her better. He could have. He could have loved her better, Janice. He could have done it. He could. He could have. And that that realization, that thinking, instead of being like, "Oh, like, man, look at these young people, and this is so beautiful." And man, ah, to know what I know now back then, and to be able to love love her better. Oh, man, I really love her. Let me go dance with my wife, cause. Man, she should have had a better man, but she didn't, but I'm doing the best I can now. He's like, no, <laughs> it made me want to end my marriage. Like, they're both miserable. Somehow, looking at this beautiful young couple, by the time we got to the reception, I didn't want to dance with her. I didn't even want to be in the same room. How did that lead to that? <laughs> and you're like, 
What just happened? How is it the best wedding you've ever been to that makes you want to leave your wife? I don't understand. Like, get me from A to B here. I, I don't, yes. I also was like, why? What are you talking about? He's like, all the hurt and disappointment of the years, hers and mine seemed to be the only thing that was ever true about our marriage. So this beautiful wedding made you think how bad your marriage is? Like, that's what, all right. Now, Stacy's inner inner dialogue is very familiar. I was like, I've I've felt this before. She's fine. She's not crazy. You're making her seem like she's crazy. This is what happens when your husband's an asshole. You wonder if he doesn't love you anymore, if there's all these pretty women around. This is exactly what happens when you are married to a jerk. So, yeah, that tracks, actually. I'm like, yeah, that perfectly tracks that he's... Uh, wave and wave of her side he talks about it like like it's evil again it's like no it's just you being a bad husband actually like it's not it's not evil attacking her it is you just kind of sucking oh so then jesus comes and comes and rescues everything just so you know jesus shows up at weddings still did it right away did it early in the gospels still does it today shows up talks to johnny boy and says uh, go get your wife. Ew. Uh, Best wedding I've ever been to, and God himself had to compel me to dance with my wife. Gross. I wrote my whole, that whole section of where he's, where he prays, and then his, his clarity begins to return, and, uh, and Jesus says, I want you to go back in there and ask your wife to dance. I, my whole sections, I just wrote, I hate this. Next to it. Oh. Uh, once more I knew the man I wanted to be. Ugh. I went back to the reception, I asked Stacy to dance, and for the next two hours we had one of the best evenings we'd had in a long time. We nearly lost to the evil one. The evil one. Ugh. Instead it will go down as a memory we'll share with our friends for a long, long time. Why? Why are you sharing this as a memory? Why? We don't... She said, don't remember this. Remember. Don't remember this. Remember something else. Please. Remember me better. Like don't. there's gotta be a better a better story you can tell than this to your people. Oh, and no then the capstone is the closing where Stacy gets him a sword and he's like, "Oh my God, she loves me." <laughs> I was like, "Oh my God, you were a toddler." Like this is what <laughs> this is what a little boy wants. He's like, "Oh my God, she got me a toy. I'm so happy." Okay, so. Stacy gave him a present. Uh, it was a full-size claymore, a Scottish broadsword, exactly like the one used by William Wallace. Gross. These are. This is. If a guy says his favorite movie is Braveheart, just run. Just, just run, red flag, guys. Red just, flag on. It's a big red flag on the other two red flags. Yeah. <laughs> it's a red flag on a red flag on a red flag. Yes. Right. Uh, he had been looking for one for a few months, but Stacy didn't know that. Oh my gosh. It wasn't even as Christmas as she just knows him so well. She got him a sword. Oh, this is how, this is how we know that she knows he's fighting for her is because she got him a sword. Uh, and like, poor, poor Stacy. honestly, <laughs> after. Poor, poor Stacy. Poor Stacy. But only oh. a while to her because then she does her own damage and captivating. But she also is. Poor Stacy. Poor Stacy. But John 
none of this, none of this is mysterious. If I only read this book and someone was like, what should I get John Eldridge for Christmas? I say, you know what he would probably love? A stupid Braveheart sword. For sure. It's not like (laughs) some kind of Braveheart paraphernalia. Get him that. He'll probably like it. They'll never take our freedom. (laughs) Just imagine him standing in his living room shouting that every day and holding the sword up. Like, that's for sure what he does. It's a boy. He's a a toddler. 100%. It's just like, this is, you are a drunk frat boy. That's what they're doing. That's what, this is what this is. You're like, oh, I'm going to fight for you. Oh, it's so gross. And that's how he ends it with Stacy's little note. Here's what her note said. Her note was, it, her note is all about him, right? It's so mm-hmm. gross where she's like, because you are a brave heart, fighting for the hearts of so many people. And especially for mine. Oh. Thanks to you, I know Ew. a freedom I never knew was possible. Merry Ew. Christmas. Ew. Ew. Just a final, if you haven't finished your drink, now's the time, guys. <laughs> That's how it ends. Ugh, that's so gross. It's the worst, and even worse because, I mean, he talks about Braveheart and William Wallace all throughout, all throughout this book. William Wallace and Maximus from Gladiator. So these are the two, the two men. I mean, it's a bunch, bunch of movies, so many movies, but those are the two he comes back to the most. And, and those like, are the two. Both. Like that's so problematic. You should really like those are. If people say their favorite movie again, if they say it's Gladiator or Braveheart, you have some. They have some work to do. Like that is a sign that they need they need therapy <laughs> very soon. It's issues, and in both of those movies, yes, these men set off and do these great whatever. But both of them are set off by the women they love being killed. Stacey, you're not even in this story anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what happens to you in these stories? (laughs) Right. Yikes. But thank God he fought for you, Stacey. Thank God. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Whether it was while you were here or after the fact doesn't matter. The point is he had something to fight. Oh. Well, if I need a shower. <laughs> so that that's chapter <laughs> 10. I'm so, so sorry. <laughs> why are you? No, I'm sorry. I'm you? sorry. <laughs> you, sh- you should be. I'm sorry to your audience for bringing you along this journey with us. Stassi has given me a number of wonderful presents over the years, but one special Christmas was unforgettable. We'd finished with the feeding frenzy the boys call unwrapping presents. Stassi slipped out of the room with the words, close your eyes. I have a surprise for you. After a good deal of rustling and whispers, she told me I could look. Before me was a long rectangular box on the family room floor. Open it, she said. I removed the bow and lifted the lid. Inside was a full-size claymore, a Scottish broadsword exactly like the one used by William Wallace. I had been looking for one for several months, but Stassi did not know that. It was not on my Christmas list. She had done this out of the vision of her own heart, as a way of thanking me for fighting for her. Here is what her note read. Because you are a brave heart, fighting for the hearts of so many people, and especially for mine. Thanks to you I know a freedom I never thought was possible. Merry Christmas. So, so looking at this book from the perspective that everything, everything is permissible. We cannot stop the Eldridge's from writing a book and saying wild things. But not everything is beneficial. So on a scale from 1 to 10, 10 beneficial. Run out and get it and a matching Braveheart sword because this is going to change your life. Down to one 
not beneficial, harmful for everyone. Uh, there are no words to just gross, ew, no. A hundred percent. Where would you where would you put this book? I'm a negative ten. <laughs> gonna, go, gonna go beyond the scale you gave me into into super harmful, beyond toxic, so gross. Uh, I'm still gonna reclaim Safari of the Heart because there's gotta be a better way to use that, but but if anybody ever says spill strength into me ever, I will just I will just collapse into a puddle of horror on the floor. It's just the worst. Very bad. Very, I mean, obviously, uh, not, it's obviously permissible, but, uh, harmful. (laughs) I would recommend this book to zero people. I don't think you should ever read this ever. And if somebody says you should read it in order to understand them better, that is a, that is a sign to run. Right. Understand that you have just understood everything you need to understand about them and get out. You need a different Dixie Chicks song, which is Ready to Run. That's the song that should be playing. <laughs> I'm sorry, the chicks. The chicks need to play Ready to Run if somebody says you need to read this book. Take a different chicks quote and, and just run away bride that shit real hard. <laughs> just get on a horse and go. You got to get out of there. You got to get out of there. Oh, message received got it and goodbye so instead of wild at heart what is something wild whatever that means to you that you would recommend what is something wild i mean wild to me i think people like adrenaline like adventure sure fine but also there is something about uh that i think a thing that is wild to me is places and spaces and things that make me feel small because I I think so that's why I go out into wild spaces when I think of that mountains, oceans, trees, nature. Whoa, whoa. You sound like a man right now. <laughs> Jumping across a cliff? <laughs> hypothetically. Leaping over rocks and mountains. I don't want to climb them. I just want to look at them. I don't need to I don't need to on a mountain I just need to see a mountain and be like or the sky like just look up at the stars and be like oh that feeling of awe is is important I think we need it as people to feel small and insignificant I think that matters for us it helps us not get so caught up in our own self-importance and I think we we might need a little more of that in the world so that's what that's what wild is to me I think just like incorporating awe into a daily practice or a daily activity to 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 find moments of awe is really important. And I think awe helps you not be an asshole. <laughs> the word of the Lord. <laughs> Just feel like, what a I way to end. What a way to end. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. Any <laughs> any closing thoughts, final thoughts, things you didn't get to say or last uh, No, you're just the best. I can't believe you're doing this. I can't believe you're doing this. God bless you. I can't believe you're doing this. I One chapter... Uh, was enough for me and I just can't believe you're like you're like in it you're in it so I'm in it good for you I am oof and no regrets I'm glad (laughs) glad I did this 
it's so important to unpack this stuff because it is it is in there, right? Like it is entrenched in us in a way that sometimes you don't even realize you'll you'll hear something or say something or or even think something and be like, where did that come from? And then you're like, oh, it's here it is, here it is. It's chapter ten of this fucking book. Oh my gosh! Like it's just in there somewhere. And so it is so important to to say it out loud and be like, this is bad. This is bad theology. This is just a bad read of femininity or masculinity, like whatever it is. It's just, it's just bad. So the, to say it out loud and be like, nope, not that, I think is really important. So I'm glad you're doing it. It's hard, but I'm glad you're doing it. And we need to keep doing this. This is good. It's good, important work. It is. So thank you. Thank you for helping me with this, with this work. <laughs> and again, I'm sorry. I mean, any excuse to talk to you anytime, but... Amen. Amen. Also, this chapter, a doozy. It was a doozy. I can't wait to make all my friends listen to it. Because <laughs> we read this together, man. Let me tell you. I can't wait. And that's that. Thank you for dropping in on the Bad Book Club. I certainly hope you had a better time listening than we did reading. Bad Words is an irreverent media podcast, the Legata Scratch production, and a God is not given side hustle. Produced by Janice Legata and made possible by the generous support of Jodly and Jodwilling patrons like Megan. Thank you, Megan. If you're enjoying this season, please let the people know by leaving a rating or a review on the podcast platform of your choice. And if you're looking for a better book experience, ask Amazon about The Grift of God and or The Divide by me, Janice Legata. And until we meet again, take care of you and be well. This has been an episode of Bad Words, but to finish up, here are some good ones. Men who've done their own work, I think... And that, that's like therapy and unpacking this toxic masculinity stuff. It is possible. It doesn't unmasculate you to emasculate you. It doesn't emasculate you to un to unload the toxicity of masculinity. Like that's okay. This it's okay. You can like undo some of that and see it for what it is and name it for what it is. I think you know, going back to Anna and Elsa, which I can't believe I'm doing, but in Frozen 2, Hans, yes, he He's like, I'm here, what do you need, right? He like lets her be the hero in her own story, but he is not less of a man for doing so, right? I mean, he is such a good supportive person for his spouse. Uh, I don't know if they're married at that point yet, but they're gonna be married, maybe they already are married, I don't know what it is. But I just think Anna, they're just so, he's so good to her, and that is not less masculine. It is more powerful to come alongside and support and care for and be vulnerable in return. And I just think like, I'm here, I'm with you is more than I'm fighting for you. It's like, no, I'm here, I'm with you. What do you need is is way better, uh, way better, way more important. And dare I say it, uh, it's, it's more faithful to scripture if you want to go there. Like there is, there is a lot of coming alongside and being with and in scripture way more than that of that than like man I kill people I mean that happens too but also it's not in the same way it's not in the same we, we don't need to go there but I'm just saying I think there's there is there is this truth in this book that he keeps saying like vulnerability is for women and not for men and I would like the opposite message to be to be told and preached like women can be strong and men can be vulnerable and it doesn't change their relationship it just makes it better and uh either way in whatever form you are in a relationship 
but also just go to therapy. All, all these things could be undone if you just go to therapy. And I feel like men who've gone to therapy, you can tell. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, I can see that in you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can tell. <laughs>